Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Cycle Jerk. John Remy up in Northern California, Sacramento, our state capital. Mike and myself here in Livermore, California. And it is Friday, the 16th, as of the time of recording. We got Pogacar's pretty much won it. We kind of saw that once his main rivals were five minutes behind. Uh, It's been a battle for second, third. The emergence of Jonas Vinegard from uh, Jumbo Visma, actually, who was really... Uh, not a big surprise to some if you looked at what he did earlier in this year, but he's finally got the leash taken off of him, uh, not working for others. And uh, we've got uh, Cavendish about ready to possibly break the record. And I have a little bit of inside knowledge from a, I only know one pro, don't know him personally, but I know one pro cyclist in from Belgium that is a young kid. And uh, he races against in, in the pro level tour over there and on one of the development teams in Belgium. And uh, I did Instagram him saying, so since you're from Belgium and Eddie Merckx is from Belgium, are you rooting against Mark Cavendish or rooting for him? And he went, no, with a bunch of N-O-O-O's. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny. And uh, he uh, didn't talk too much trash about Cavendish on the, uh, but uh, I, I said, well, you know, I think Eddie and, and uh, Mark are two different riders, two different eras. I mean, Eddie did it all mountains, everything. Give me you guys final thoughts. I, I mean, we final. I don't want to say their final, final thoughts because a lot could happen in two, three days, but what, what you thinking there, Remy, about what, what you've seen this year? Um, You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure Pagacha won. I mean, Losing five minutes in a time trial is possible, but highly unlikely. And, you know, he's really good at time trials, so he won the last one. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, what's really cool is uh, seeing two days ago, Nielsen Palace got tons of TV time, and he was drilling it on the front and setting the pace for uh, his leader. And um, I was watching, like, legends drop off the back, like, to see that. <laughs> You know, like we would, we've ridden with Nielsen out here in SAC and like watching him in the Tour de France, like just really representing himself well. Um, he had gotten 18th a couple of days before that. And um, then yesterday, uh, two days ago, or yesterday, uh, Brandon McNulty just drilling the pace. And the pace was way higher than when anybody else was riding. And then, you know, kind of just left it to Rafael Micah to, hit it up and that was a just i actually got to i woke up and watched the last part of that stage and was just mind blown that was such an exciting stage it's probably my favorite and you know seeing carapaz <laughs> look like he was dying and then he goes and i was like oh my gosh like this is what i wanted to see i didn't think that um i can't pronounce his name but the younger kid very strong obviously very talented but i just didn't feel like he had what it takes to really like strategically take that to the top. But Pagacha just looked like fresh as can be. And I was just like, Oh my God, Carapaz could just really like blow everybody out of the water and take it. But he just, I feel like he went a little early. Yeah. Just like too soon rookie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I, I, that was so, uh, when Carapaz went, I was thinking the same thing. I think we probably all were uh, because he had looked in, poor form 
he was just riding the wheels of the two uh, between uh, Bagasha and uh, Vinegard. Vinegard? Close enough, yeah. Okay. Um, but and, and he was just looking like he was just doing everything he could just to hang on. And then, and then in that instance, I thought, oh man, he's been that poker face the whole time. He's just been playing these fools. And then he takes off and I just thought, okay, well, th- here we go. And uh, I thought he was going to ride off, but the guys is so strong. And then Vinegar got dropped. And then I was thinking, oh, well, this is working out for Carapaz anyway. But then Vinegar latches back on and, and then finished strong. And uh, man, what a, that was an incredible stage. Yeah, I, I agree, Sean. That was my favorite stage of the tour so far. Same. And uh, the drama and uh, the fin- – I mean, there's not a lot of drama with who's going to win. But to see Carapaz just make that – I mean, I was excited for him because, uh, you know, there was a bi- it was a big stage, and I was just – I really wanted him to pull that off, you know, just because – you know, they get these two young whippersnappers and, you know, I mean, he's not an old guy for sure. I think he's like 28 or 29 or something, you know, but he's certainly not 22. Like these, like these young kids, you know, that are dominating the thing. Um, but yeah, it was, it was exciting. I, yeah. The mountains, man, to me, there's nothing, the sprint stages are fun, but the mountains are where, uh, you know, the heroes and the, and the, the guys just, there's nowhere to hide. You, if you, if you don't have it, you're, OTB man. And like you said, watching these legends just fall off the back and it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. I love the drama of it. You know, I think age. Oh, go ahead, Sean. Oh, sorry. I was just say, uh, just to touch on that last part, like what was big for me is like, you know, you recommended watching the movie star documentary or the reality show. And I was watching it and like, you know, Carapaz left because he wanted to be a leader. Yeah. And I'm watching the tour this year and there he is trying to be a leader and it was just really cool to see that he wasn't just some bitter guy because he he couldn't Quintana was like winning and being the leader you know he like went off and did and he has the potential and so like you could tell he wanted it you know his heart's there and uh it was he he put he went through a lot I was like man he's probably gonna be dead tomorrow compared to these other guys you know because that was probably he had to try to make that one stage count for the rest of the, of the tour, you know? Well, apparently like yeah. Vinegard and, uh, and Pagacha looked at each other. And if you, uh, people were watching that scene where you have, have uh, Carapaz making faces in the background, like he's dying. And it was like too over the top. I even thought myself, I'm all, come on, dude, you aren't making that face when you're, when you're, when you're dying and you'd be, you'd already be dropped off if you're making those kind of faces. And, uh, and so both Vinegard and, and Pagacha at the end were like, looked at each other and they, they said, they, they said that they said during that, when they were asked that, yeah, we both said he's, he's, he's uh, just holding on, but he's, he's faking that he's, when you look back at him and he's all, uh, he's faking it. So they knew uh, well, that he was I, playing possum a little bit. And then he takes off. Cause if you're that in the deep, in the red, you aren't taking off like that. That's right. But I, he may just wear that face. So no, yeah. even not, when he attacked, even when he attacked, he had, it looked like he was really in pain. Like, I, I don't think, I mean, I do think he was playing poker a little bit, yeah. but I, I don't. Um, and I, there was one point where Pagacha kind of like rode off to the side and kind of like put his hand out, like, come on. 
Like he wanted him to pull Come through. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Carapaz didn't, you know, and I, you know, I always feel like, I don't know what your guys' take on this is, but you know, in racing, there's always like this, um, you know, this thing, like if you're, if you're not, if you're perceived as not pulling your weight or you're, you know, you don't take any lead outs, people tend to get upset with that, but you know, you're, you're racing, you want to win. I mean, the whole point is to win. So if you spend 40 minutes off the front of a race uh, and then, and then you end up like 13th at the finish, you know, well, you might have the respect of everybody in the Peloton because you, you did a strong pull and, and uh, you know, that's to be respected. But at the end, you're not even in contention because you blew all your, you know, you blew it out, uh, you know, leading the Peloton. Story so I was, life. what was that, Sean? Story of my life. <laughs> yeah. I, I always, when I'm racing, uh, I'm always, uh, I shouldn't say always, but a lot of times I, I just, I'm just pack fodder. I just want to be in the pack, just not doing too much work uh, and just really paying attention to everybody around me and to see who's doing what, and uh, who's got the legs and, uh, you know, and if the break goes, then you make that choice if you're going to go do it. But there's been a number of times where I don't take my pulls in an effort because I want to I want to have something at the finish. And uh, yeah, so, how, how you know, Sean, I know you like to go off the front, you know, and uh, so you probably identify with all of Philippe. Right. I feel like he's always, you know, like that. But um, I know. What are you guys thoughts on that? Um, I mean, if you're, I, if you're in a breakaway, obviously you have to pull your weight to work to, otherwise they're going to drop you or, you know, they're not going to work with you ever again. It's important mm-hmm. to work, but you gotta, in your inside, you gotta know, like, you know, use 60%, don't go full gas every time you take a pull because then you're not going to have anything left in the tank at the end. And that's the whole part of the strategy. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know i used to always in the cat fives and the cat fours it was like i would get on the front and it's like you know i would say that i was one of the strongest dudes racing but i was getting subpar results because i would go hard the whole race and i would like pull us up to the breakaway thinking because mm-hmm. like oh get us up there come on remy and then like they would just take advantage of that and i realized that later and then going into threes and the twos they're like, come on, pull. What are you doing? It's like, I'm not like your teammate. Like, this isn't my job. Like, yeah. I can't four anymore. Like, you know, I'm, I want to win. And after I started like not doing that, I started to see those results and won races and wasn't the top 10, you know, I was on the podium and it's just being right. smart and realizing like, Hey, you're out there for you. If you have teammates and there's a strategy then stick to those strategies. You know, everybody plays a part when you're on a team, but when you're by yourself, you're there for you. And so it's like playing chess, you know, if you got to, what he did wasn't wrong by any means. Like, I mean, they were going up a a damn hill. It's not like they're on the flats and he wasn't pulling and just sitting on the back, you know, Um, he was, they were, they were pushing the pace. And so he probably was hurting, but he's like, if, if I don't pull, I might be able to just give it one great shot. And that's what he did. And it didn't work, but at least he tried, 
you know, and he knows he did his best in that race. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, uh, you know, strategic, you know, it's just, it's just being strategic and calculated and, and, you know, uh, the shot you, what is it? There's like a saying about like the shot you miss is, uh, the one you don't take, you miss all the shots you don't take, you know, and he took a shot, you know, and he had to, he had to, um, maybe poker face it and not, not, uh, pull with those other two guys. And, but to me, I just thought it was good strategy and he maximized his potential that day. I felt like, and he took his shot and it didn't, you know, you wonder because psychologically is such a big part of it where, um, if it worked, like if Fogasha and Vinegar dropped off the back, you wonder if Carapace could have taken it all the way home, you know, but I think it's so demoralizing when you attack on a climb and you think that, you know, you've got, you've got what it takes to like pull it off. And then you're just burying yourself. And then all of a sudden you look and they're right there with you. And, uh, and that's demoralizing. Um, and if he, if he had a gap, uh, you just wonder how it would have played out if he could have held, you know, cause that'll fuel you mentally and physically, uh, knowing like you just put it, put it on him, you know, especially somebody like Bergasha with what he's doing in the tour, uh, these last two years, I mean, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. I, I really wish Bernal would have been there. Um, obviously we all wish Pogaccia, I mean, um, Roglic wouldn't have crashed and, um, but you know, that's just part of the deal. But, but if yeah. you have, if you, that's one thing that's always frustrating is like, it's very rare. You get the top dogs all racing like as superstar teams, even though it's their a team, there's still riders that maybe raced in the Giro or are planning to race in the Vuelta that don't come to the tour. And you just almost like wish this is the one that every team should like, just go with it all all hands in don't be like well he raced the Giro and he you know we're gonna save him for the Vuelta no put your (laughs) best guys in I would love to see what Bernal could have done against these guys the way he looked in the Giro so but um on you're talking about like your last uh, little bits of uh those guys where they're playing the cat and mouse thing was when they got to the finish line you got to you got to see Vinegard cuss and uh and uh, Pogacar are kind of all hanging out together. And it was almost like this little group of dudes all like, yeah, bro. Yeah. Right on, man. And handshaking and high-fiving and stuff. You didn't see Carapaz hanging out with those guys all like, yeah, that was a great ride guys. And, <laughs> and so it was like, there's something going on there. There's a, there's a little, there's a little dynamic going on. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the, it's uh just that's just the video that was taken at that specific moment. Maybe there's no reading into any of it. Um, but as far as like that last little bit, having knowing your body, knowing what you got left in the tank and when you can from a day to day grind, those guys go through, you know, there's so many crazy body changes and you got food and you got how many matches did you burn? You hear that term for all the non cycling jerks out there you hear that term matches being burned and you only have normally the average person has X amount of matches that they can just go full, full out, recover, full out, recover. And I think like you saw Enric Moss from Movistar go for it on the stage yesterday. 
And he thought he had himself a nice little lead coming around about a couple, two, maybe two more little turns. And next thing you know, here comes Pogaccia, Vinegard, and Carapaz just like blow by him like he was standing still after he attacked. Look, look on the on his face was I just blew myself up. And there's this last little tiny, well, probably not tiny, more like tw- you could see it was a great picture from the camera angle behind the finish line, looking towards the finish line. You saw like it's almost like seeing a, a ship off in the distance coming from the ocean, and you see the mast first. And then slowly as the ship gets closer because of the curvature of the earth, the uh, you see then the rest of the ship. So you just see like a head of a cyclist going like this back and forth. And then gradually because of that steepness of that last little climb to the finish line, then you saw the rest of the rider slowly materialize. And the background is this mountain. If you look up some pictures that they took of that finish from the last mountain stage, it's pretty epic. If, if you're a f- photographer, that was just like the dream, some dream shots going on uh, as they came over that finish line. So uh, Ashley and Jared Gruber, um, that their brother and sister photographers for the tour, um, PhotoPace nominated them for best photos of 2020. Um, and then oh. some of the guys from PhotoPace know them like just in the, from the photography world, they're their photos are outstanding. So that's somebody we should look up on, on Instagram. That's out the tour right now. They're at the tour, literally shooting the whole thing. And like, I seen their photos cause they came up in my feed cause I follow both of them. And Oh my gosh. Like even uh, Nielsen's photo, when he was talking about descending, like they took his photo when he was coming around the, like uh, one of the turns of the climbs, like, and uh, their, the, their photos, they're definitely stand out tremendously in the photography world there it's a different view and you know sometimes it's really dark they're just it, it, they're really good i don't know if uh if you guys find yourself doing this too but like uh since watching that movie star documentary i can't help but root for uh these guys you know like Enric, i know how much it means to him the tour and uh you know he even referenced it in season two where he's about he wants to be on the podium in the tour you know, obviously, you know, <laughs> if you're there, you want to be on the podium, but I don't know. I find myself rooting for them, even though, you know, they are kind of a, a messed up lot uh, of a team. Um, I don't know. Whenever uh, Valverde's got a shot or, uh, Enric, you know, I, I'm always, I always find myself pulling for them just because you, you kind of know some of the, the silliness with the team and, and a little bit more of their backstory than you would some of these other guys, you know? Yeah, you find I, yourself doing that? I, I'm interested in hearing what happened with Miguel Angel Lopez because he came into uh, this tour winning the Mount Ventoux Challenge a bike race two weeks before the tour started. And he like I think he set the KOM on uh, Strava and he has done zip. And if you watch <laughs> yeah. the end of that movie or end of the show, he came he comes on and that was one of the things he said. He goes, I, I'm you know, I'm here for the Tour de France and, and kind of got thrown back by Moss's comments that he wanted to win the Tour de France. And exact, right. exactly what I was worried was going to happen was I don't see Lopez hardly up there at all when it counts. He looks like, in fact, it's the first thing you say, oh, you hear Bob Roll. Oh, Lopez, off the back, having some problems. Uh-oh. <laughs> and it was like still a freaking another climb to go. So either he's yeah. sick he got crashed and we don't know about, or he's just like, 
Yeah, I'm mailing it in, man. I don't really feel I was supposed to be, you know, being a mopey little little bee. <laughs> <laughs> you could say it, Bo. <laughs> I know. I, I always worry about like my language because I, I definitely am on PG thirteen on this podcast thing. <laughs> He's acting like a Yes, there. Does that feel good? Oh, liberating. You know, we'll see all about hopefully there'll be a season three and then we'll hear all about it. Um, yeah, but it is peculiar, but it's not surprising considering the history of the team and the way that things being managed. It's just the same thing. I don't, I think they need different management to, you know, you can't just change the players and have the same management philosophy and expect different results. Fake camaraderie gonna, too. Yeah. Same. It, it just, it, it looks, I don't know what, what you see, Sean, as far as like, uh, I don't know if you watch body language, body language to me, I really, I don't know if I'm just ultra aware to it, or I think I'm ultra aware to it, but I can, I, I can pick up on stuff. I feel like, and vibes, even if I'm not there, there's facial expressions. There's, not being with the rest of the guys and joking and having a moment and stuff. It's just whether the cameras are just purposely not catching the moments that I'm needing to verify or not verify what I'm thinking or what, but I just, I catch a good vibe with certain people and I catch a, and that movie star thing. I don't see one dude that I just on that team, even now, even, even if I hadn't watched the, the whole documentary thing, Right now, I'm just like, this looks like uh, they just are not mailing it in, but it's like Moss and Valverde, and then the rest of the dudes are just might as well just be like, hey, I'm in the Tour de France, yay. Yeah, you know, I uh, definitely root for Valverde. He's one of my favorites. I just love that he's kind of taken the whole year peaked at 30 and you know, you can't, you don't race anymore or you can't win races. Why? Well, I mean, you know, you got second on a stage, like a hard stage. Um, yeah. It's really cool seeing him just keep continuing to do what he loves. But um, with the movie star thing, I noticed uh, there was like an episode where it was supposed to go another way. And then Quintana actually goes and wins the stage. And he came to dinner way late. And I don't know if he had to stay for like press conference or anything, but all the other dudes were already eating. And then he like walks in and everybody's like high-fiving him and stuff, but you could just feel the tension. And he just sits over at the end of the table, hella quiet. And everybody else is like laughing and doing stuff. And he's just like sitting there with his head down. Like I fucking hate it here. (laughs) (laughs) And then he left left, like two episodes later. He's like, I'm moving to another team because I want opportunity. And so, um, you know, it was sad. He was sad when he had to do a toast at dinner and stuff. He was crying, but like, you know, leaving a family, it, even though it was a dysfunctional family, maybe you would say, you know, they still had time together well spent and uh, they worked hard and, you know, I'd be sad too. Yeah. If you look, you go back a few years back when they were wearing that different Jersey, it wasn't the blue one. It was more of a dark blue with green accents. Okay. Uh, that was when, when he was winning, you know, big races there was a, a nice little pecking order of guys that they seemed like they were all on the same page. And as soon as they brought in Mikel Landa and they, and they did this whole, we're going to be a three headed monster. Nobody's going to be able to handle us with all these GC guys and Valverde. And then it became the Mikel Landa is, is now the 
the sad sack on the team where he's like, hey, I'm supposed to be the superstar. And that didn't work out. And he took off. And he's done nothing with uh, whoever he's with, uh, Bahrain or whatever. So, so yeah, egos, egos and attitudes and all that. And let's we'll bring it to the positive side. Sean, talk about EF and Lachlan Morton, <laughs> our, our resident EF guy. Yeah. Oh, dude, that that was so cool to see him like finish. You know, there was like a like a week ago they're like oh they're catching him and he's completely trashed and they showed some photos of him just being destroyed like he wasn't going to make it and then his dad showed up at one of the nights and they hung out and then he finished you know um the stuff that he does like i've never done anything quite as extreme but i've done some really insane rides and the things that you go through mentally compared to physically is just way it it's way more elevated like you know the physical thing like a lot of people are like oh my gosh I couldn't ride that far it's it's more it's I would say 90% mental and 10% physical like because you can go as slow as you want as long as you have the willpower to keep going um but seeing yeah. him finish and being with his wife and his family dude that was that was huge and I just loved that he's showing everybody like you can have fun on a bike and you can do something if you want to put your mind to it, you know, dude, it made NPR, it made NPR.org yesterday. It was, uh, uh, it said, uh, cyclists not in the Tour de France beats all site, all the Tour de France racers to Paris. That was like NPR's like probably only cycling thing that they've done in how many years. That's probably since (laughs) Oprah interview with uh, Lance or something, you know, well, and, and the thing that, uh, like Remy hit on a lot of it, but, um, but also to raise all that money, you know, it's like he went through an incredible personal journey mentally and physically, but, uh, also, you know, raising all that money for world bicycle relief and turning it into a, a great cause, a great story. It's so much bigger than him. And, and, um, yeah, I, I think it's, as the whole concept was just it's a great concept and then uh he's got a track record of doing really cool stuff anyway so it seems like just a great person in general and then to raise all that money for world bicycle relief what it, it i just yeah it's, yeah if you're it's interested awesome. you can you can go to worldbicyclerelief.org uh if you're interested in donating in Lachlan's name and his effort he's raised over five hundred thousand dollars so far for that. And you can also, if you're not even familiar with worldbicyclerelief.org, then click on their links and look around and see exactly what they're all about. Mike, you want to sign off? All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Sean Remy in Sacramento. Thanks, everybody. Hope you had a good time. All right, guys. We'll see you next week on the next episode of Cycle Jerks Podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.